Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Matic. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Matic. Very short introduction today. As you guys can tell, my voice is ruined from watching the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Of course, had Drew Dinkmeyer and Michael Gallagher on the podcast to talk about the NBA. Uh, did a lot of trade deadline talk today. I think you guys will really like that. Of course, all the usual ways to support the show. Subscribe on Patreon, rate and review on iTunes, and get a daily rotor subscription using the promo code Janis, J-A-N-I-S. All right, everyone. Hello. I'm bringing in Drew Dinkmeyer, Michael Gallagher. My voice is horrible. The Kansas City Chiefs, they just won the Super Bowl. I have no voice, so we're talking the NBA. You're not going to have to listen to me talk very much. It's mostly going to be a Drew and Mike show. And Drew, I think that you wanted to start the show talking a little bit about Kobe Bryant. Well, we didn't do the podcast last week, and last week was right on the heels of the news that broke that you know Kobe had passed away and the helicopter crash. And I, you know, I found out about the information. Actually, I was walking along the beach and I came, I was in Miami on, on vacation. I came across a like tiki bar that had the, the scroll, the ESPN scroll. And I just gasped. Um, and I didn't know what to think or what to say at the time, because I'm a person who has not been a huge Kobe fan throughout most of his career you know, I grew up as a Chicago Bulls fan and a Michael Jordan fan. And so Kobe just felt like kind of a cliche attempt at trying to replicate Michael that was getting a lot of attention and just kind of annoyed me. And then when LeBron came along, it was like very clear to me that LeBron was a better basketball player than Kobe. So it was very frustrating from an analytical standpoint to have Kobe people in your mentions all the time. (laughs) And so I kind of always had this like bias against Kobe and you know, after consuming content on Kobe for the last week, I really changed my perspective in a lot of different ways around Kobe in terms of how he connected with people, how this death, I think, shook up way more people than I ever anticipated, how it shook me up when I didn't anticipate it. Um, and I think, 
you know, there's a lot of dimensions to people in general. And certainly, you know, Kobe had his fair share of faults and mistakes that he's made that I think are right to be talked about in the context of his legacy, but I don't think take away from the good that he's done as well. And I think the, the stuff that really hit me over the last week was I, I started to understand Kobe stands a little bit more. I listened to this Monty Jones podcast where they had somebody call in and leave a voicemail that basically said like, what people don't understand is like Kobe came and kind of resurrected the Lakers and a lot of Lakers fans loved him for that and loved him in a way that he was so like he was going to fight and claw for every win possible and leave everything out there all the time. And we loved that about him. And we loved the fact that so many people had tried to replicate what Michael Jordan was. And nobody had ever even come close. And this was the best imitation that there ever was. And even though Kobe was never going to be Michael, and this was a Kobe stand saying, we knew he was never going to be Michael, but we loved seeing somebody imitate it so, so effortlessly. And then LeBron came and LeBron came too soon is what they, what the, the gentleman said. He said, basically LeBron came so fast that it was a situation where it felt like you were taking away Kobe's spotlight and Kobe stands were just fighting for more spotlight for their guy. And that was something that really resonated with me in a way that I hadn't thought about any of this the whole time. I mean, I'm a guy who thought legitimately Dwayne Wade was a better player than Kobe in, in Dwayne Wade's prime. I think Kobe had a better career, but I thought Dwayne Wade's prime was better. Um, you add in all the stuff where he's been such a good ambassador for women's sports in the WNBA, women's soccer, and how he's you know raised his daughters in a way that's been very prominent in terms of um, being extremely prideful in their achievements and their accomplishments. And the fact that the suddenness of the death and the way that it happened and people talking about, I don't have kids, um, so I can't relate, but people talking about what it must have been like in those final moments. And there's just so much content to consume during the course of the week that I, I was left thinking, you know, Kobe was probably of the super impactful basketball players on the court that I've had the, the pleasure of watching in my life. He's probably the one that was the least interesting to me on the court. Um, but his death and the way that this has all happened, he might be the most interesting off the court um, from, all, from all the different aspects and angles and the Mamba mentality and the, the passion for excellence and everything that he does. Like I, so I was, I was kind of shocked in kind of how I processed the information over the course of the week. So I was interested to hear how, how it took for you guys, because I don't view you guys as Kobe stands either. Um, but it was, really, it was really kind of, I don't know, transformational for me. Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said. Uh, like, I was never really a Kobe stan. Um, I enjoyed watching him just because he was such a great shot maker. I think that's kind of how I remember him best. Like, he would just take, like, that's a bad shot, but he would make him all the time, which is really what made him who he was, and uh, it was really cool. But, yeah, like you were saying, when I found out the news, so I found out right away. Like, I'm on my phone all the time, and I was having lunch, and my girlfriend hates this because I'm always on my phone, but <laughs> I was having lunch with her and her two sisters, and like my jaw dropped and everyone's like looking at me like what's going on like I'm like I don't even want to say it like hold on let me try to see, see if it's confirmed because it was just the the TMZ report that was out I'm like everyone was freaking out but um yeah it, I'll never forget just sitting in my in my chair just like oh my god uh, it didn't even seem real like everyone's like no you're lying why do you say that but uh it was just crazy but um yeah I mean me being born in the 80s like he's really the first superstar that I got to see his whole career. Like, obviously I was, I was still around like when prime Jordan was going on like 96 bulls is kind of when I really 
understood what basketball was and I was in my teens when Kobe started. So that was kind of when I really realized like what basketball is and, um, you know, going out in your driveway and like copying moves that Kobe was doing stuff like that. Like really, um, reminded me a lot of him. And, uh, yeah, it's just, like, like you said, the whole off court thing, uh, we didn't, I feel like we didn't even really appreciate it. Um, it's just crazy that like they're humans too, you know, like the, the whole human side of it and just seeing, like I teared up so many times this past week just because like when like Tyson Chandler crying and like all these yeah. other like grown men crying like it just touches you in such a way that like just how like you said he's just affected so many people and I didn't think I'd be affected this way like on I was uh, next to my grandma when she died like the second the moment she died I was by her bedside didn't cry but like this I've been like kind of broken up I'm not like bawling but you know just getting kind of teary yeah. just thinking about how um, just impactful he is and it's kind of crazy. Like I always say this all the time, but people think athletes are always overpaid, but they're really not. I mean, the amount of enjoy, uh, entertainment we get from them is just yeah. like, it's really cool. So yeah, just Kobe was really just one of the guys that for 20 years to appreciate the career like that. And, um, you know, obviously, like you said, the whole, the girl dad stuff that was going on Twitter was really touching, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's been pretty cool. But um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's tough, but we got to move on. And it, 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 the timing too is weird because it's like trade deadline season. Yeah. And right. like, I feel like that even like took away from it. So um definitely looking forward to moving on and <laughs> talking uh, all sorts of good stuff. What do you got? You got any cool uh, Kobe stuff, Davis? Well, it was definitely one of those um like poison online brain things where if you're someone who's as terminally online as I am, <laughs> you like experience that with like, TMZ reporting it and like yeah. no other confirmations and like his yeah, family didn't even like know yet. Minutes, like five minutes behind. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. So it's like, yeah. it's like at first, like we all kind of thought it was like a lie, like a, a TMZ like made up thing. And then it kind of just kind of slowly happens. And then there was people on Twitter saying, <clears throat> you know, that the NBA games for that day were canceled and just like, I mean, all sorts, it was just a very wild online day. The thing that uh, resonated with me, Mike, and when you were talking about seeing all the players' reactions, one thing that really over the last years is really like I've, I've heard so many guys, and I remember thinking this when Jason Tatum went and like trained with Kobe, and so many guys that really looked up and idolized Kobe specifically. And it always struck me as like, I don't get it. Like I get how accomplished Kobe is, but you know, he, he and Shaq had this feud that kind of ran a guy out of town. He, you know, as we're in this more analytically inclined and minded uh, game, he focused on kind of inefficient shots and working at ways to be great at those. And the things that like in, you know, Tatum's second year, everybody was like, oh, you know, that time with Kobe might not have helped in terms of what he's trying to accomplish and taking away from what he had done before. And during the course of this week, I just, I, I recognized I, or I understood so much more about why current NBA players had really felt connected to Kobe in the sense that, you know, this guy was just going to have basically a will that he was going to try to put on the game in a way that he wasn't going to let things lose. And that was the, that was the thing that I think Jordan had, but Jordan wasn't in an era where your opponents beloved you. They, they, you know, Jordan was in an era where your opponents hated you. You were rivals and Kobe was kind of the first superstar in an era where the next generation of stars really, really looked up and tried to connect. And he was kind of that, that midpoint between the transition of like the bird Jordan era and now today's kind of analytically inclined era. Um, 
And so it's been really interesting to see how all the players have reacted so strongly in a way that makes me believe that Kobe is different than how they would have reacted to anyone else in this situation, which I thought was really unique. So I have, I have a, a we're, we're going to transition now. I have a very important question for you, Mike. Why won't Tillman Fertitta just sell the Rockets if he won't pay for the roster? I don't know, man. He needs to, but um, one of his restaurants that he owns is Joe's Crab Shack. It's like the worst meal I've ever had, so you, you suck. But um, <laughs> I always think of that. But, um, yeah, dude, I mean, kind of. you have James Harden on your team. Like, you're kind of – you have to do so many things to, A, make him happy and, like, B, build a really good team because uh, he has his deficiencies and things like that. But, yeah, seeing these reports that they're looking at dump tax, like – it's like the same thing with, with Giannis, you know, like if you have Giannis, you're like financially obligated to go for it. Like, look what happened with the Warriors. Like they're, mo- they're printing money now. Like they, they, um, the amount of money the Warriors are making is insane. So just to be able to go for a title um, with the, one of the best players around, um, you have an obligation to do it for as rich as he is too. Like, it's just so weird. Yeah. I think all that stuff is so frustratingly short-sighted because there's so few times in your in your ownership window that fans are going to hold your feet to the fire in terms of expecting you to spend at this level. There's just not that many times. There's going to be plenty of times when you own a team that you're going to go through like a decade period and they're going to, they're going to hit one with all the picks that they've given up um, where, you know, the team's just not that good and nobody cares if you're going into the luxury tax because the fans know team's not that good. So when you take over a team that is in that window and you immediately strip the fans of that time that they should be able to have where they really enjoy their team, you know, putting the, the foot to the pedal. It's really frustrating. Um, and I, I think, you know, when I saw the reports that they were talking about dangling Capella, I was like, Oh, that makes sense because Capella is like the one piece that they have that they could move to, to improve the roster. But then when the report started coming out that it was just about like getting under the luxury tax and different things like that, I was like, Oh, this is a different thing. And, you know, Mike, you and I, you know, on the last podcast we did two weeks ago, it said that we don't think the Rockets are contenders and the Rockets went through a, a difficult stretch where they didn't play very well. Um, but they're close enough that they should be, they should be trying. And that's, that's kind of, I'm sure that's an extremely frustrating thing for Rockets fans who have just been on the precipice of them overcoming, you know, the best, uh, you know, one of the best uh, dynasties we've had in, in some time and some bad luck kind of caught them. And now it seems like, you know, other teams have caught up and the ownership is kind of bailing and that's got to be extremely frustrating. And then to add to that, like Daryl Morey is a guy who's very outside the box, very aggressive. Yep. So for- for an owner who's not willing to kind of go to bat for him, um, adds a whole other layer to it. Do you think that they will trade Capella? I think they might, man. I think what's kind of interesting here, tying into that, is these whole super small lineups they've been doing. Like, yeah. the fact that they're and they're and they've always done this. They've really been. Really the whole <laughs> yeah, ask down. anyone who's been playing Isaiah Hart or Isaiah Hartenstein. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, they're uh, the gr- great stat from Friday was they're the first team since 1963 to use players uh, no taller than six six for an entire game. Like, it's just otherworldly what they're doing with how they're going so small. But, yeah, Hartenstein, I'm not really getting instances, bro. But, um, yeah, so I think that they're – and we've talked about this. It's one of our main talking points is how, like, 
bigs are so devalued. I know James yeah. are always like, like better guards. And Drew, too, like we talk about this all the time. So I think they're kind of pushing it to a new level where, and like Dame right now is ridiculous. Why? Because he's making so many threes. Yeah. You know? So like just adding more three point shooters. Capella's not a three point shooter. It sounds so easy, but three is more than two. And having Capella's pretty decent on the perimeter on defending threes. He's not like elite at it, but he's still fine. But obviously, he doesn't really help you on offense for spacing the floor. Um, not that he's a bad role man. I'm not bashing Capella here, but I just think that their ideology right now. Um, they could try to get away with it and see if this whole super small lineup can do some damage because they played pretty well with it. So um, yeah. I think I, so. I here's what I, I think they know that they're not a they're not a title contender right now, and I think that's fine to know that. Um, I think they know that Capella, in terms of moving the needle on them being a title contender, does not do it, and I agree with that. So I think moving Capella is fine. I think moving Capella with the intent to to acquire nothing but shedding salary essentially is, is what the problem is. I think if they were trying to move Capella to get somebody that could help at a different position and play these small lineups and build out the depth of their roster, um, which I'm sure Daryl will try to do on like short one year rental type deals and whatnot. Um, then I'd understand it more, but I think, I think just selling Capella to, to clear cap or clear tax uh, ramifications is just a little bit of a mistake, but in terms of whether they can accomplish it or not, you know, since we've talked who about the beginning of this, who wants position, Capella? That's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, I think the only the only team that we've heard, and they they would seem to have a, quite a buyer's market to do it based on what's available out there. The only team we've heard is Atlanta. We heard it with with Drummond. We heard it now with Capella. Um, so I just don't know who else would be interested out there that it would make sense for them to go out and acquire a Clint Capella. Um, you know, we've talked a lot on this podcast. I've talked a lot on this podcast about the, the Celtics maybe trying to shore up their center position, but Daniel Tice has just played so well so and they good. don't run as much pick and roll that Capella just wouldn't be as helpful to them. So I don't really have a fit that, you know, makes sense for someone to go out there and pursue Capella. Yep. And I'll add their last three games without Capella at Utah win. Home against Dallas win. Home against Pelicans win. <laughs> that Utah oh, game was Utah crazy. Game. Oh my god! It yeah. was crazy. So they're uh, they're playing well. I mean, the only game they lost, Capella did play, is they lost to everyone's losing the Dame now apparently. Um, Dame lowered. So uh, yeah, uh, it's gonna be tough. Like we said, is the teams that there's no team that really is good that would need a center, nor would they want to invest valuable things uh, to do that. Oh, Woj just has a tweet here. Uh, the Celtics literally just now. Uh, Woj said the Celtics are engaged on Capella. So uh, all right, yeah, so that's, so there you go. That's, that I mean makes sense. Yeah, we talked about that. We always had our Rashawn Holmes pipe dreams. Uh, yeah, back on Friday, but uh, yeah, it's, the thing, it's the be- thing. I mean, I, I'm Stevens would just transform the offense a little bit more. They just don't yeah. run a ton of pick and roll. Right, they don't run a lot of anything. They were they were yeah. one of the most balanced offenses in the NBA. They don't. They just do a ton of a ton of yeah. dribble handoff stuff to yeah, eventually yeah. create a mismatch and then kind of iso a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, I there's. I'm interested to see what Houston gets. I, I don't think moving Capella is wrong in its own right. I think the motivations behind it, along with some of the off-season moves, are the thing that are the problems. Yeah. And it's, like we said, I think they even know that they can't hang with the big dogs. So, yeah. you know, again, maybe this new lineup that whatever they get back is good, you know? Um, we don't know. So, the whole – I always talk about the mystery, immediately the mystery see box some, uh, factor. 
some DFS people uh, tweeting Capella for Smart, which would be really interesting. Um, Marcus yeah. Smart's better. Marcus Smart's Marcus, good. He's more Marcus valuable. Marcus make them really good. He's more. I think he's more valuable than Capella. For sure, yeah. Especially for how they yeah. play, yeah. He, yeah. Especially if he's been his not. He had that one hot stretch when he had the franchise record threes, but and they don't need him to shoot, you know. So he fits that team really well. So, Who yeah, should I, give I would up? Actually like that for, for Houston. <clears throat> Who should give up two first round picks for Robert Covington? I Man. I don't know. I don't know if any that was the I report. Mean, it would be. Yeah, I don't like, know. That's what Minnesota wants. I mean, it'll be like – it's going to be tough for the Clippers to do it because they obviously traded for Paul George already. I mean, the Lakers maybe. It would have to be like a latest – like, you know, these really good teams um, with salary filler. Like, I think the Clippers can make a pretty good case to get Rocco. And obviously the Warriors could be – Rocco would be such a good fit when the Warriors get healthy too. So, um, yeah, that's kind of – Well, that was, the, really that was the trade I proposed on Twitter a few weeks ago, which was, you know, D'Angelo Russell for – Rocco and Jang and maybe a protected first or something like that. Yeah. Um, Cause Minnesota is, um, you know, kind of hell bent on trying to find somebody to pair with Carl Anthony towns that can keep towns happy. And yeah. I think the warriors would be a really interesting team next year with Covington Jang adding to Steph Clay Dre um, yeah. and, and then their first round pick and maybe a protected first that, you know, uh, goes conveys to them, you know, years down the road or something like that. Um, like just but I, the D'Angelo Russell fit with Steph, I never, never really made sense to me. And just by the way, um, do you know who has the worst net rating among players with 24 minutes per game? It's Steph Curry. <laughs> really? They were yeah, just so bad. They were yeah, so they're bad so bad. I looked at, I looked it up today for that's uh, for Zion's leading leading to, uh, all players with 24 minutes. Oof. But uh, yeah, it just it's such a it's just it was such a puzzling fit. You know, like you're gonna run Clay, D'Angelo, and Curry is like your main threesome just it feels like it doesn't work well what well, some of warriors twitter has pushed back at me when i proposed that that kind of trade because they do they you know warriors twitter i think is used to having things work out for them of late mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i think they're they're expecting to turn d'angelo russell into some other mega star yeah. which you know it could happen but it, it just seems unlikely to me um but they basically uh, warriors twitter is basically like look in steph's eight like declining years you need to have somebody who can take uh, secondary ball handling off of Steph, and obviously Clay can't do that. Covington wouldn't be able to do that. Um, Dre can kind of do it through a passing role, but not a dribbling role. And so it's it's like, how do you? Uh, so we need D'Angelo Russell to take this offensive pressure off Steph. And I I just kind of I, I don't know that I agree with the hypothesis, um, but I think that's kind of the the argument that's been put out there from Warriors fans to me about why they value D'Angelo Russell so differently than you know maybe people look at it with a traditional fit. But in terms of Covington, I don't, you know, I, I, the team that got rumored or thrown in was Dallas. And I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, But unfortunately, like so many of the contenders, especially in the Western conference, you know, they've given up tons of picks. The Lakers gave up a ton of tons of picks to get Anthony Davis, the Clippers to get Paul George and and Kawhi Leonard, Um, Houston to get off of Chris Paul's contract for Russell Westbrook gave up a ton of picks. So like, there's not a lot of contending teams that have the ammunition to go out there and satisfy that type of deal. Um, and then if you look in, you know, the Thunder in, could, the Thunder could, they won't, but they could, they could, they could. Well, I, well, I agree just said that, that the won't. Rockets are after Rocco too. The Rockets would that make would sense, be, but but I don't know how. Rocco could guard fives too. <laughs> yeah, he could. He could be their center. But yeah. I don't know how they would have the draft pick ammunition to try to do that. So yeah. that's that's the problem. You know, I I just don't know how they would make that work. Um, yeah. 
Probably, um, probably not happening. Okay, what uh, what team should buy but isn't right now? What team do you think could improve their chances materially through buying? Like, as in long term, um, as in long term, short term? What I'm I'm mostly thinking like the Nuggets, maybe like they probably won't, but they could. Yeah, I don't think the Nuggets. I don't. I don't think the Nuggets have. I don't think they have a ton to do unless they were swinging some sort of trade that sent Jamal Murray out. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like, and they've played, you know, I know they just lost that game to to Detroit in overtime, but they have played exceptionally well while they've been pretty banged up with the roster. Michael Porter Jr. has been great. Uh, Jokic has been great again, kind of carrying the team and, um, they're just a very deep team. They just don't they don't employ bad basketball players. Everybody that they have on their roster plays well. Um in terms of teams that could set themselves up better for the future, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of stuck on 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 where I th- I think there's so many teams that are not like one piece away that cuz I think there's just such a clear delineation between the the real title contenders and I think the other teams that are good they're they're largely good by bulk they're not good by like star power and so adding another like you know bulk piece which is there's no stars on the market i don't know that that moves the needle a ton i think it makes them better regular season teams and that's where i think denver and utah in particular have been very good at just building deep rosters that withstand the regular season really really well um i kind of think toronto just because you know, they, their 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 core is a mix of really young guys and really older guys, mm-hmm. and so and they don't have a ton of depth on their roster. So I kind of think Toronto maybe is the team that should be like in on a Robert Covington type deal um, that could try to satisfy that that type of need. I, I think that's the one team that I feel like they're just stuck a little bit in limbo between their future and their present. And to your point, like last year we were talking about like Anthony Davis being a trade piece, like, mm-hmm. and now we're talking about like Robert Covington being yeah, a that's a big, ball, big you know? like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, Toronto is super interesting, right? Because they have so many expiring deals. Norm Powell just made himself some money. Um, he has you know player uh, twenty twenty one player option, uh, so he looks like he's going to be more expensive down the line. Fred Van Vliet's going to get a huge payday. Uh, so yeah, they they could. I don't know what they like. I guess. Because OG Ananobi started out so on fire, and he's really cooled off. And now that Norm's hurt, you, uh, and they're playing like it's like it's they really cut down OG's minutes because he's just lost so much steam. But yeah, and then I, I'm surprised you didn't say Miami, by the way. Sure. I, yeah, I, I just don't know. They they're another team that just doesn't have a lot of assets, right? Because they yeah. traded for that Goran Dragic trade like years ago. They're still paying off that, I think. Yeah, and Woj had or Zach Lowe had said that. Uh, Tower Heroes not going anywhere. Yeah, so I just don't know what they'd move. Yeah, definitely would be pretty tough. And I feel like I'm trying to think what would Roko help them that much? I guess so, because I mean Bam and Roko rather than Myers Leonard. Yeah, uh, and they'd, Bam be a, would they'd be, be a pretty so, pretty. They'd be a lethal. sick defensive team. <laughs> yeah, so maybe maybe they can do it. I mean, but yeah, like the Raptors you that they're you're kind of buying their chances to get out of the East. You said last week, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm it's possible. You, so. I mean, I think I think Milwaukee's just such a juggernaut, but I think I oh, think it's yeah, possible. Yeah. I think um, I think Miami Miami is one of the teams. I think if you're going to beat Milwaukee, 
you need to have somebody that can give Giannis problems at the rim and doesn't foul a lot, and that's Bam. Mm -hmm. So I think Miami is one of the teams that has a chance. Yeah, I'm with you. What uh, <clears throat> What do you guys think the Lakers and Clippers can do, you know, to strengthen themselves up in that arms race? I mean, Iguodala, I just think makes so much sense. Like, just for a cheap guy that could play defense, you know, cheap mm -hmm. as far as assets to, assets to give up to get him. Yeah, because Broco is going to cost you like real stuff. So I think that makes the most sense to me. Um, you know, I, he's been around LA before, so yeah. For which team? For either? Either Both. one, yeah. Either yeah. one. I mean, I think that putting him out there, like in a, in a Clippers lineup, uh, with Pat Bev, Paul George, Kawhi, him, and then whoever Harold or whoever they put at the five. They may even trade for another five man. But yeah. um, that, that lineup just sounds so freaking good when, if playoff Iguodala is on. So. The other rumor that I had seen attached to the Clippers was Thaddeus Young, which I think would make some sense. Yeah. Yep. He's kind um, of a kind of Iggy esque. <laughs> yeah, the it's just different. Like not not as much ball handling, but defensively would yeah. would solve an issue of getting another body that could match up with Anthony Davis as well as, you know, normal humans can match up with Anthony Davis. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I thought I thought that one made a sense. And the Bulls are, you know, a a pretty weak trading partner that you probably wouldn't get that probably wouldn't cost much personally i think backup point guard for the lakers is a big issue especially with how many minutes lebron is having to play i would really like them to get a, a non-rondo backup point guard yeah um and alex Caruso. i don't for his i just don't i don't think that i don't think they'll do anything with that like yeah. rondo rondo is a pretty uh a personality you have to manage and i think rondo is fine right, right i mean yeah they're locked into playing yeah yeah, uh, I think Rondo's fine now, but I think if you brought in anyone to compete with him for his 16 minutes a night, I think uh, I think that that locker room might turn pretty sour pretty quickly. Yeah, and there was also that report too about um like the Clippers locker room, and there's a heat uh, heat locker room report that came out the other day. It's kind of interesting to see. So yeah, I think I'm, I don't know. There was another locker room report that came out, but then a bunch of the players tweeted that it was a lie. I don't remember oh, yeah. who. I don't remember who what, what team was that. That the, that the Clippers one? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 we did. Yeah, we did. But the, I don't remember who reported it, but then all the players tweeted, like, this is yeah. stupid. That's not real. So oh, I think uh, the Cavs. You're probably thinking of the Cavs one. The Cavs was it like a month or two ago. With like yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what you're, ta problems. you're talking about like a month ago? Or no, you're talking about recent? No, I'm talking about uh, this would have happened in the last two weeks, I'm sure. Okay, then, yeah. So I think that's Clippers. Yeah. But yeah, so we've crazy. been we've been talking about uh, a lot about the future, uh, or excuse me, a lot about the present of the NBA with the playoff races and whatnot. But I mean, the thing that's happened in the last two weeks since we we potted and we've talked about the past with Kobe is the future. Zion. Zion. Uh, yeah. Mike, what 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 have what have you thought about Zion? Is it every everything you 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 hoped for and imagined yeah. in the first few weeks? I love Zion, man. Uh, he's so freaking good. I just I just said he's leading the NBA in net rating. Um, among players with 24 minutes per game. Barely, he had a good lead over Giannis, but he lost a little bit of that lead. He still has it, though. Um, just his put, like, he's, someone had a stat that he's, like, rebounded, like, half of his misses or something like that. It's, like, an ungodly <laughs> high number. Um, and he's just so good just on, his athleticism has just made him just such a great player. Um, 
I think the stat was 80% of Zion shots either go in or are rebounded by Zion. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he uh, doesn't play a Which lot when of you shoot, already... When you shoot like 65%, it's not that yeah. hard to get up there. But, yeah, it's yeah. a pretty incredible stat on the whole. Yeah, it's such a fast leaper. But he's already in the light playing time. He's third in putbacks per game, uh, only behind Drummond and Whiteside. Uh, and he's a, been a pretty good post-up man, three and a half possessions per game, and he's 76 percentile on those. Um, again, kind of small sample. The only one better with more shots is actually Embiid, who's really, really, really good on post-ups. Um, shooting 70% at the rim, those are almost 80% of his shots. So, again, to your point, like almost all of his shots are inside. He only has one mid-range shot attempt all season so far. So, yeah, he checks so many boxes. You know, he's placed some five. He's getting used to that. And him and Drew, like, him and Drew Holiday, just instant chemistry. It's, I love it. Him uh, and Lonzo, is, too. Yeah, him and Lonzo. Yeah, that, that three-quarter lob pass yesterday yep. was so sick. But, um, yeah, I, I'm just – I love Zion. This is kind of what I was hoping. I've been always been saying, like, oh, yeah, I think the Pelicans can make some noise. Had a tough loss yesterday, but they're playing really well. Um, took a couple – if they had maybe split those first couple games with Zion, um, I think they'd feel a little bit better about it. But they did get the schedule benefit of catching the Grizzlies without Sharon Jackson. Yeah, that without, was huge. Um uh, without a few other guys as well without um was it yeah, no, a lot of Solomon no, Hill uh-huh. yeah it was like it was it was just a, a rough spot for for Memphis to go in there oh um, yeah. those are the, those are the, going to be the, the important games I get but I guess now you know we were talking about that a spot before is like I was feeling pretty confident that it was going to be Memphis mm-hmm. and then Dame's just gone on this absurd run <laughs> and all of a sudden uh, Portland's right back in it. Nurkic is, you know, back at practice and, you know, still probably a few weeks away, but uh, all of a sudden, like it's, it's not looking as, as great for, for Memphis as, as what I was hoping for. And um, as much as I love Dame, I, you know, I'm not that excited about seeing Portland in the playoffs. I kind of would rather see one of these younger teams get it. Yeah. Again, like Portland's, they had the great run last year, but they've, they're kind of just, we know what they are. It'd be fun to see. So, Davis, are you excited to watch Chris Paul in the playoffs again? I am. I'm always excited to watch Chris Paul in the playoffs. I'm excited to watch you watch Chris Paul in the playoffs. (laughs) Really, what I'm excited about. But, Davis, what's your take take on Zion? So, first off, I need to do the sports radio take Zion Williamson or Luka Doncic next 10 years. Who do you have, Drew? (laughs) I take Luka for sure. Yeah, I take Luka too. I think Luke could say, but it's close, I think. Zion? So oh, if you take him, if you told me Zion was going to be healthy, I think you can make close. a case yeah. for either one. Then it's close. But, yeah. yeah. yeah it's which is, ir- which is ironic while we're talking about this while Luke is Because Luke has a bother. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I'm a little bit worried about that right ankle, man. He had another right ankle. So it's, he's had like three right ankle tweaks in the last month. I hate that. I, am, I am here with Zion. I think that he's been amazing. I think that he's been incredible to watch. I think that he is a center, and I think that the Pelicans, the sooner they realize that he is a center, the better and more impactful of an NBA player that he is going to be. That is, they probably that is know my it, current, but like, yeah. they, probably know it, but they probably know it, but they also know Derek Favors is freaking good. Yeah, yeah you love Derek Favors. I do. <laughs> I love Derek Favors, too. And it, it's not like winning for them. Like it's They're not going to win the championship this year anyway, so it's not like they need to be maximizing every minute I do on the think court. The, I, I do think, though, they would really like to make the playoffs. Like I don't think they're one of those yeah. tanking teams. They have enough assets anyways. They have enough assets already. They The fan base, you know, after the Anthony Davis stuff, like I, I just think I, – I, I think they'd really like to. Zach Lowe did write – 
earlier today that Drew Holiday is like that is the he is the tries the the prize trade object yep. this trade deadline. Yep. Oh, I don't see yep. him going. So I said this on my I don't think he'll Friday. be traded though. I think what stood out to me most about this whole Drew Zion thing is when they had a press conference together, someone asked Zion a question and Drew just took it and like answered yeah. it for him. You know, that just yeah. it just spoke to me like, man, Drew's not going anywhere. So I'd, I'd be really, really, really surprised um, if Drew does get traded. And I'm just rooting for the Pelicans to make the playoffs. Like, I think they'd be – like, if they it get hot, really man, fun. Get it would be really fun. It would be. I mean, and Z- I mean, it would be very cool for Zion to make the playoffs even as a rookie. Like, that would be fun to watch yeah. him in that series. Uh, is Lugens Dort, like, a good NBA player? Like this is this has taken me very much by surprise. This is just, I mean, this is just such a, a Homer podcast question. <laughs> yeah, it really I, is. I have a lot of Dort. I got a lot of Dort love. I love. He's I like been that. good, Drew. He's been he good. Ha- he, he has been, been good. good. I mean, he's, he's been, been better fine. than expected. He's been better than expectations. Doesn't mean he's, he's good. He's been fine. He's played well That's... for a week. Like he's been fine. But I just like what? How many podcasts in the, uh, covering the association do you think out there are asking about Lugans Dort? Like, I mean, the Thunder, the Thunder have been looking for a fifth player for uh, 12 years now. They've never had a good fifth <laughs> rotation player for as long as they've existed as a franchise. Dort might be the first guy. So, that's, so he's been really that's... good on defense. Like, and uh, um, you could kind of track the matchup data. So uh, he did a great job on James Harden. That was kind of like his coming out party, I guess, for people who weren't too into the NBA. So if you look at like matchup time over the season, going from most minutes – it's Harden, Wiggins, Booker, Dame, Donovan Mitchell, Fournier, Fox, Luca, Devontae Graham. So really besides Fournier, and you could even say maybe Fournier because Fultz isn't even that good. You're talking about like Fultz is fine. He's just not, you know, not to the caliber of the players I just mentioned. Like he's guarding really, really good players, and his numbers are pretty good against them. Uh, and they're winning games too. So, yeah, I mean, he's just going to be kind of a role player, big, big bodied guy that could take contact. And um, he's just built like a house, man. Uh, and he moves his feet pretty well. So if he gets a little bit of a shot, definitely can be a, a three and D kind of a guy. But I mean, I wouldn't say he's going to be a star. You know, he's going to he's going to he can be like a really. We good just player. need him to be the fifth best yeah, player. Just a That's really all they good need. Role That's all they need is five good players yeah. on the court at the same time. They've never done it in the entire history of the franchise. Like, Dude, they have peak... five good players right now. They have yeah. Chris Paul. They have Shea Gilgis Alexander. They have Danilo Gallinari. They have Stephen Adams. They have Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder's they awesome. But they can't. They can't. The three have, guard thing. It doesn't really work. Does it's I been crushing? Say, it, it's literally the best lineup in the it's NBA. It's been crushing. Schroeder, Shea, Chris Paul, Gallo, and Adams is plus thirty-four net rating. It's the best lineup in the NBA with a minimum of hundred minutes. So, that lineup cannot. That lineup cannot <laughs> win a playoff series, right? I mean, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tough go of it. They're they're playing in the playoffs in the They'll West. They'll play the they're Clippers. Gonna pl- yeah, it's gonna be a really tough go of it. But it's a good. I mean, lineup. Imagine imagine if Chris Paul and the Oklahoma City Thunder beat the Los Angeles Clippers. Oh my god! Imagine the scenes. But seriously, I always that. believed in Chris Paul, Drew. I did. I always <laughs> believed in him. I always knew he could do it. Okay, the last thing they're playing better than you guys. Go. Are they gonna beat Dallas out, man? Because especially with Luca out right now, like I think they, they might be the sixth seed. It could. It could OKC's happen. The last thing, really, really, really well right now. They are. The last thing I want to talk about, though, is uh, just this Dame run. Just this crazy, crazy 
Dame run. So, so Mike, run us through how good Dame has been. So, last six, and I don't know if you still have those uh, DraftKings points numbers, but I have the regular stats. Um, 49 points, seven boards, 10 dimes, 1.2 steals, 8.2 threes in 40 minutes a game. Uh, he's shooting 85 effective field goal percentage on his threes. So, like, 80% on layups is fantastic. He's shooting 85% on threes. Um, over just six games, he has 13 shots from 30 feet away. Uh, on the season now, uh, he is up to 37 makes from 30 feet. That's almost double what Steph Curry had all of last season at 19. Uh, and then also in the stretch, these 30-footers, he is on tight defense. He's 18 of 33 for 0 to 4 feet, so that's 55%. And then on very tight, 0 to 2 feet, he's 4 of 4. He's made all of them. Um, unassisted on almost 80% of his shots uh, on his 30-footers. Like, these whole 30-footers, logo-lowered thing has really been – just everything. And I tweeted this out, like, over this hot stretch, he's making more threes over this stretch than, like, entire teams over a season would make in the early 80s. It just speaks to, really, like, what we're talking about this whole podcast is how valuable hot three-point shooting can be. Uh, and when he's on like this, they're so tough to beat, man. And he's going to obviously cool off. He's not going not gonna to shoot 60% from threes forever. But, um, yeah, it's just such a fun brand of basketball to watch right now. Yeah, it is. So uh, Drew, Drew just had a couch delivered to his house. So you know, just very, oh, very nice. typical, very typical Drew Dinkmeyer things. But I did. I just awesome. wanted to. I wanted to, just. I wanted to just say like, what Dame is doing right now. This is, this is like James Harden scoring fifty points a night. Like, and and I don't know. It's like Dame just he does have this in him. It's just hard for him to sustain it. Obviously, over two months of a season or whatever. Yeah, it's just all again. It's it just comes down to the three pointers. Like I mean, if, even when guys, it's crazy. Like I've been playing fantasy for years, and it used to be like guys who make two threes a game is valuable. Like Pejo Stojakovic, like back then. Like it's crazy. It's like seriously, that could be two possessions for Dame right now for how many he's shooting them. So um, yeah, it's just crazy. And this team's just so thin right now. Um, you know, they're getting pretty good minutes out of. Mello better than we th- I thought Mello was going to be washed, but he's been pretty good. Um, tre- the Trevor Reza pickup looks like it's going to be a pretty good one. I was surprised to see that the Kings even made that trade, but um, that's not the first time or the last first and last time sure. I've been surprised by a Kings move. But yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be so tough for them to just keep this going though because he's I, I love CJ McCollum. I'm, I'm, he's probably one of my favorite players just on and off court, but. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's going to be really tough for them to to sustain this. But Dane definitely looks like he's on for another run. He does this all the time. He's always I, – I write about this every summer for, um, you know, uh, season previews. He's the only player for Fantasy 9-cat to be top six in each of the last three seasons. Um, he's just so durable. He's just he's – so, he's so good. He's gotten so much better. Um, and, again, just with these 30-footers, it's just like – seriously, like nothing we've ever seen before. Yeah. All right, man. Tell people what uh, what we have to look forward to over the next week. Trade deadline, man. Um, yeah. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah, not a whole lot. We, t- we talked about most of the guys that, that were in Zach Lowe's column. I uh, mentioned Aaron Gordon. Keep an eye out for um, Marcus Morris. I think he wants to get traded. Obviously, the Drummond stuff. Um, I saw that the teams are interested in Christian Wood, which should be crazy for them to trade Christian Wood. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Pistons sounds like they're going to be – it's crazy, like, the whole teams that are – like the clear sellers, there's not that many of them um, just because the AC is so attainable for so many teams. But, 
like the Cavs are going to be interesting. It's something there's not much on Kevin Love. Um, we'll see. Marvin Williams won't get anything, but I'm sure they want to trade him to unleash some of their younger guys. And um, yeah, I mean the Warriors. The Warriors are going to probably trade Alec Burks and or Glenn Robinson the third, so that can open up minutes for Damian Lee and maybe even Jordan Poole, who's not really good for fantasy. But um, they're a team to watch too. And obviously the Wolves, man, they 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 got some, they got something. We talked about Robert Covington um, being really the most attainable guy. So it should be fun. It's been quiet so far though. I think there were 29 trades last year and we're probably going to have a tough time matching that this year. Yeah. Seems, seems like no way. All right, everyone make sure to check out Mike's awesome work over at Roto world. Make sure to check out all of the projections on dailyroto.com, and we will be back next week, hopefully with uh, some cool trades to talk about. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams. And I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, checking in with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.